pleasure of announcing key nominations and appointments for the critical economic positions in the administration. First-rate team that's going to get us through this ongoing economic crisis. And I know times are tough, but I want you to know that help is on the way. Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is The Transition, a special edition of Political Theater. It's Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. It's been four weeks since Election Day, and despite key battleground states certifying Joe Biden's win in places like Wisconsin, Arizona, and Pennsylvania, President Donald Trump has still not conceded, and he continues to assert, without evidence, widespread fraud. But even one of his most loyal cabinet members, Attorney General William Barr, is telling the Associated Press that the Justice Department hasn't uncovered widespread voting fraud that could have changed the outcome. Congress, meanwhile, is trying to wrap up its business for the year. The current spending measure funding the government expires on December 11th. And with the economy starting to show signs of strain, lawmakers are offering their own proposals for a COVID relief package that they hope to pass in the coming weeks. The two big-ticket items might end up in one big year-end measure. Chief Correspondent Niels Lesniewski and I discuss what we learned today about the various plans circulating, including one from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who has largely sat out most of the negotiating in previous packages out of deference to Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and the White House. But McConnell has recently begun to assert his own priorities and those of his caucus. Niels Lesniewski, uh, this is not your first rodeo seeing the end of the year hijinks uh, for a lame duck Congress. We've got uh, an incoming new administration in the White House, which you cover, uh, and we and Congress is desperately trying to figure out how not to just do the regular end-of-the-year stuff like appropriations, which they never seem to finish on time, but also uh, some sort of COVID relief with several programs uh, expiring and some signs of strain on the economy. Um, Senate is is back, and, and they've got their... Kind of, uh, they've, they're starting to trade some things back and forth, different groups. What do we know uh, at this point about the state of COVID relief uh, in the transition as, as we start to usher out this Congress and await a new one? Well, the, the first of the bipartisan gangs, and there might be a few of them, unveiled their proposal Tuesday, a $908 billion in aid, which is you know, a little less than half of what the House Democrats had proposed and more than, uh, significantly more than what Mitch McConnell and the Senate Republicans had proposed. And then later in the day, uh, in the afternoon, we had McConnell circulating his own uh, Senate Republican offering, which looks like it includes all sorts of uh, grab bag items to try and get as close to a unanimous vote among Senate Republicans as possible. There's some school choice provisions favored by Ted Cruz. There's the uh, expensing of meals uh, for businesses uh, to go to, you know, supposedly take people to restaurants, if that's even something that can be done. Uh, The three martini lunch uh, tax provisions, basically. Maybe they'll be in those little like uh, cubes that we we're starting to see, uh, like three martini lunch in the in the outdoor cubes uh, that we've begun to see popping up around DC. <laughs> I, I I can't quite imagine uh, the the igloos uh, in front of Ted's Bulletin on Fourteenth Street being uh, the site of a three martini lunch, but who knows? Maybe they'll spike the hot cocoa. <laughs> um, the 
other thing that we're seeing, and so, you know, I don't know if any of this is going to go anywhere, but what we're certainly starting to see is more indication that whatever they come up with or nothing that they come up with is likely going to have to hitch a ride on the omnibus uh, spending bill that needs to be done uh, by December 11th to avert a shutdown. And so now this is to the point where we strain to avoid using all the puns about the last train leaving the station, the last plane taking off from the airport. The Christmas tree. tree the <laughs> ornaments on the Christmas tree. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to, we're into that territory at the end of the year and hoping uh, that we do not have the pandemic version of what we had uh, back several years ago when we had the fiscal cliff, uh, when we were all literally ringing in the new year in the Senate Daily Press Gallery. I remember it well, Niels. Like, you say that like it was a bad memory. Uh, who wouldn't want to spend New Year's Eve in the Capitol, especially during the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> so, no, it, it, is, it, it does seem that we, we can never really avoid these sort of train wrecks. There's a, a tired pun, too. Um, at, at the end of a, of a Congress, but the, I mean, it seems like the, the, the necessity, like the growing consensus that we need some kind of bridge on COVID relief uh, adds a certain um, amount of gravity to the, to the situation. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. And one of the things that we heard today, I think for the first time from uh, Senator McConnell was him referring to seeing what the new administration next year wants to do, which is a tacit acknowledgement that, in fact, yes, Joe Biden will be president at noon on January 20th. And, you know, so we're going to see what they want, uh, particularly in terms of how much of a bridge uh, they think that they need uh, to get to the next round. It does open up the possibility that our friends on the budget team reporters and editors alike would find absolutely horrifying, which would, of course, be to use yet another one of our terrible metaphors, a kick the can down the road solution <laughs> of a continuing resolution till like Valentine's Day, along with coronavirus aid that lasts just that long. You know, I don't know one wants to go to that point yet, although literally as we were uh, getting ready to record this podcast, we were hearing that that Richard Shelby, the chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, is setting a deadline of uh, probably about eight or nine days from now to get a deal or else the sky will fall and they'll have to do a continuing resolution. And, you know, we should know, too, that the the president-elect, Joe Biden, said today that he he views whatever comes out of this uh, current set of negotiations on COVID aid, just the first step, uh, and that which seems to, you know, it, it could be seen as a as an approval or a nod to Democrats to just be like, hey, we know you want you know a, a much larger package, but let's like take something, like go home for Christmas, and then we'll come back at it like uh, you know after the inauguration. Yeah, it it seems like that's the direction that the uh, the president elect and his team may end up going, you know, there was this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and they were quick to try and defer back to what Speaker Pelosi and the, and the House Democrats want to do. But certainly we're into that point now in December, where at some point, everyone is going to want to go home. And there's the additional 
problem of if you get to the point where no one is allowed to go home because you have a bunch of uh, senators who are saying they won't leave until there's a deal, that just gives Mitch McConnell more time to confirm more of President Trump's judges. (laughs) So it's not exactly a useful strategy, maybe for the Democrats uh, in in the sort of intermediate term because I, I think that, you know, frankly, Senator McConnell would be content to have to be in session through uh, New Year's if he can confirm a bunch of judges along the way, because there's no deal between now and then. Well, thanks for running us through it, Niels. And uh, I've, I have a feeling we're, we're in for some late nights in the coming weeks. <laughs> I think so, too. Thank you, Jason. Meanwhile, various programs started this year to provide pandemic relief are starting to wind down as we approach the new year. Staff writer Jim Sachs and I talk about how a tiff between the Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve, and between Republicans and Democrats, broke out into the open. Jim Saxa, you were uh, covering the Senate Banking Committee uh, and its hearing today about some Fed loan programs that have become the latest sort of political football. Why don't you walk us through uh, what the what's the rumpus, uh, as to quote uh, one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies, Miller's Crossing. Uh, what happened, what is at stake, and why are Democrats and Republicans arguing about uh, the Federal Reserve's loan program and the Treasury Department's uh, desire to take back some of the funds there? Yeah. Um, so the, at the crux of the issues that, uh, if you remember back in March when the coronavirus first uh, you know, came to our shores, the financial markets started to freak out. You can think of them kind of like uh, like a 10-year-old kid. Um, and sometimes the, the markets act a little rationally. Um, and they're, they're freaking out. And so the Fed moved with the Treasury Department to give them a safety blanket in the form of these lending uh, programs. And so they set up uh, eventually 13 of these uh, credit facilities that basically are a backstop. The, 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 the idea of it is if the regular uh, private credit markets that really are you know, to mix metaphors, the oil and the economic engine, the thing that keeps everything moving smoothly, uh, if those markets weren't really uh, functioning, big banks and large companies could go to the Fed in these special programs to get the credit they needed to pay their bills. Um, And it turns out the financial markets are are actually kind of a big boy. It doesn't need his blankie anymore but still likes the idea of having it. So they didn't use it that much, right? Um, But still, lots of people think it's important to have it be there. It calms the market down. And people are really concerned about what happens if the economy takes a sharp dive again, uh, especially now as as we enter in the winter, COVID is getting worse, shutdown orders are coming back again, and people are really worried about what's going to happen. Especially, you know, Democrats. And they're particularly worried because they're about to take over the White House again and really own the economy again. And so when Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, about two weeks ago said, um, you know, it's time to end these programs at the end of the year, uh, they got really annoyed. And the key thing to note about this is that the Treasury Secretary has the power to decide uh, whether or not these things go or not. And the Fed, you know, immediately in a rare rebuke said, we prefer to keep them. But Mnuchin said, no, no, we're sticking with it. 
And so Democrats are really ticked off. And here's what the top Democrat on the Senate Banking Committee, Sherrod Brown, had to say today. Either you're purposely trying to stop President-elect Biden and Treasury Secretary-designee Yellen from getting to work for the people we all serve, or you're delusional. And, you know, what's kind of extraordinary about this, too, just because of where we're at, is that Democrats look at this as like an, an almost like the that the outgoing administration is sabotaging what little chance they what few tools they may have to address things in this interregnum right i mean like they're it's like they're saying that Mnuchin is like salting the earth basically yeah uh especially because a couple of democrats have been advocating the entire time to use uh the unused funds and there's a lot of it right congress in march gave um treasury and the fed uh, about $450 billion to set these things up. And like I said, most of it hasn't been used. And in theory, that could support trillions of dollars in low-interest loans. But the way the Fed set this up, and the Treasury also, um, is that really they made it so that you'd only go to it if you were desperate. And what uh, a couple of Democrats uh, have been advocating for would be a lot looser uh, terms, especially for mid-tier, mid-sized companies that have one of uh, the programs set up just for that. You know, giving them loans that look almost more like grants. And if the money wasn't returned by the, uh, by the Fed to the Treasury and ultimately back to Congress, that would mean that the incoming Treasury Secretary, which appears that it'll be Janet Yellen, uh, she would have had the ability to work with the Fed to maybe offer really sweet loans that almost look like grants and get some of that fiscal stimulus uh, into the economy without having to deal with the Senate. And that's another reason why I think Republicans in particular are so keen to applaud this move. Um, it's because it's preserving their leverage in the Senate. And, you know, we should know, too, Janet Yellen, former Federal Reserve chairwoman, uh, knows knows her way around uh, the that that building. Uh, so um, we'll, uh, we'll, I guess we'll just, you know, have to see how this turns out. Like you said, the, the Treasury Secretary can do this, even if Jerome Powell, the current Fed chairman, is not all that excited about it. But uh, uh, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to following uh, this dynamic between Yellen and Jerome Powell, uh, if there's some sort of Fed frater- uh, fraternal collegiality, say. Yeah, I think uh, I think they'll get along uh, relatively well, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of creative moves, on top of the already unprecedented moves that Powell has made, that Powell and Yellen might make in a couple months' time. Well, thanks a lot, Jim. Thanks. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Theater's The Transition. On behalf of the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, thank you for listening. Thank you.